0: chapter 4 verses 9 and 10. We're just going to be looking at two short verses over the next couple of minutes. Uh, if you don't have a Bible with you, no worries. Uh, the text of those verses should appear on the screen for us. First John chapter 4 verses 9 and 10. This is God's Word. In this the love of God was made manifest among us. That God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. And this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Would you just, uh, again, bow your heads and pray with me. Father, we come to You and we ask the aid of Your spirit, we pray that you would open our eyes, our minds, our ears, and our hearts to your love shown to us in Jesus. Work in us now by your word um, through the working of your spirit. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Show someone they're loved this Christmas. That was the tagline for a Christmas commercial that aired a few years ago in the UK for a company called John Lewis. It's a department store, kind of like Macy's, that we have here. And uh, the the commercial um, just detailed the story of this young girl who one night, while looking through her telescope up at the moon, miraculously discovers the man on the moon, only to find out. That he is an incredibly lonely, elderly man, living all, all alone in isolation on the moon. Nobody's come in contact with him. And the rest of the commercial shows her determined, repeated, but failed attempts to give this man, get this man a gift at Christmas. The commercial goes on and on, showing her different attempts, and then I'll let you go home and search for this commercial. Uh, But finally, at the end, she is able to get him a gift. Show someone they're loved this Christmas. We have this instinct that, that Christmas is about love, don't we? And if we didn't know, Hallmark, with their Christmas movies, they let us know, right? Come on, guys, don't act like you didn't watch a Hallmark Christmas movie this year, right? Christmas is about love. And, and let's be honest, here in church, we know it's supposed to be about God's love. But if we're honest, some of us kind of doubt God's love. Right? How could God love me? Somebody so insignificant, not worthy of love. How could God love me with with my checkered past, with the stuff I've done throughout my life? How could God love me? Some of us doubt God's love because we kind of question how essential God's love actually is. We, We doubt the necessity of God's love. I mean, it's a nice story. God's love and Jesus coming down. Right? Love came down at Christmas. That's a beautiful story, right? But I don't need it. My life's kind of okay without it. And for some of us, we're just not, you know, uh, we get that God's love is important, but it just doesn't thrill us. It's, it's not something that, that really gets us excited, that gets our blood pumping. But but in these verses, John has something to say to those of us who doubt. Those of us who shrug off God's love. Or or perhaps even those of us who are bored by the idea of God's love. And I want us to hear it. John, John starts off with these words. Look at them with me. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. So John starts out and he's saying, I want you to know. I'm going to tell you that God has expressed and revealed definitively His love for you. You may have doubts. You may wonder, does God really love me? Could God love me? And with these words, in this the love of God was made manifest among us, John says, wonder no more. Stop searching. God's love has been definitively expressed, definitively demonstrated. And the question is, well, how? How has God's love been expressed and demonstrated so clearly? How can can I be certain of God's love? Well, he tells us again in verse 9, In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son, into the world, right? Now, for those of us who have spent you know, any time in church, we might have a certain inoculation to those words. Yeah, 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 yeah. God, God sent his son into the world. Um, we, we've heard those words so much, they don't really grab us anymore. They don't seem remarkable to us. Of course that happened. Perhaps some of us don't really feel the weight of those words. But, but listen to this. The certainty, the certainty of God's love is witnessed in the immensity of his gift. Jesus being born as a baby, again, for some of us might seem kind of vanilla. But it is an immeasurable, unique, unbelievable, and I'm not even going to use the word perhaps scandalous event. The immensity of this gift. God sent His only Son. Now this word only here, uh, perhaps you have a different Bible translation, but it's really the word only begotten. God sent His only begotten Son into the world. It's a shorthand way to designate the uniqueness of the Son's relationship to the Father. That is, it explains that Jesus, the Son is in fact one with the Father. Yeah. Jesus is the Son of God who is divine. Yeah. That's the One who was sent. And that should shock us. I think sometimes it doesn't. That should shock us. Right? Like, if, if uh, Queen Elizabeth were to stroll in here tonight with her royal procession, procession, some of us would be shocked. Right? Like, First of all, what's she doing in this foreign land, right? And then, if she's going to be in the United States, like, what the fruit is she doing in North Syracuse, of all places, right? Among us commoners. I know, Becker, you're pretty special. We'd be shocked. But what we're talking about here, that God sent His only Son into the world... This is a far more unbelievable, incredible reality that we are looking at. And yet, it is that. It is a reality. In this, the love of God was demonstrated among us, that God sent His only Son, His only begotten Son into the world. God gave Himself at Christmas. J.I. Packer wrote, The Almighty appeared on earth as a helpless human baby, needing to be fed and changed and taught to talk like any other child. We're talking about God here again, folks. Just keep that in mind. The babyhood of the Son of God was a reality. Nothing in fiction is so fantastic as the truth of the Incarnation. One of the great pastors of the ancient church was an African named Augustine. And he said this, he said, Man's maker was made man. That he, the ruler of the stars, might nurse at his mother's breath. That the bread, the bread of life, might hunger. The fountain might thirst. The strength might grow weak. That the healer might be wounded. That life might die. That's remarkable. God has demonstrated the certainty of, of his love for his people by the immensity of this gift. Christmas demonstrates the certainty of God's love. But, but why come? Why, why did he have to come? Why did the Creator humble himself, assuming our nature, a human nature? Well, because Christmas also demonstrates. The purpose of God's love. Look at these verses again with me. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son, His only begotten Son into the world, so that, here's the purpose, so that we might live through Him. The purpose of God's love, the purpose of God's gift of Christ, was so that you and I might have life. Now again, some of you might be thinking, life. Like, yeah, we're alive. We're, we're sitting here. We're ready to eat all night tonight and all day tomorrow. We're ready to open presents like we have life. But alongside of, of just as true as those things are, the Bible declares to us a reality that apart from Jesus, apart from Christ, you and I, we do not have life. We are dead in our trespasses and our sins. You see, the Bible says that sin isn't merely some character flaw that blemishes, blemishes our otherwise decent nature. No, no, no. That's not what sin is. Sin is pervasive and, and perverse regardless of its nature in our life. And our sin, it separates us and alienates us from this loving God. And it condemns us to an eternity apart from Him in hell. But God. But God who is rich in mercy. Was not willing that we should remain dead in our sin. He sent his unique and glorious. His only begotten Son. Why? So that we might live through Him. See, friend, the only way you and I can have eternal life is through Jesus Christ. Salvation is in Christ alone. It's, it's not secured through a selfless, other, others-oriented existence. It's not secured through avoiding a morally bankrupt life. It's not secured through unending and sincere religious exercises. Think about it. If if eternal life could be gained through any of those things, then why did God send His Son? Why Christmas? Those things cannot give us life. Inheriting eternal life is guaranteed as we embrace the Son who came to give us life. As we look to Him in faith. As we trust in Him. We live through Him. Athanasius, another great ancient leader of of the church, also from Africa, wrote, He, Jesus, became what we are that He might make us what He is. The purpose, the purpose of God's love is experienced in life through Jesus Christ. Elsewhere, this this same writer John wrote, For God so loved the world, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. That whoever believes in him, whoever looks to him in faith, should not perish but have everlasting, eternal life. Friend, trust in Jesus today that you may have life. Christmas demonstrates the certainty and the purpose of God's love. But you might be thinking, I'm not really sure I need this love. Right? Um, My life's okay. Okay. Like it might not be the best. There's some things I kind of wish were better, but you know, life's okay. I'm I'm content, got a job, got a family. You know, things are rough right now, but it's okay. God's love is great. I mean it's but I'm not sure it makes a difference for me. I have um I have friends who have a Christmas gift giving philosophy for their kids. And here's how it goes. Um, Each of their kids get something that they ask for, something that's a surprise, and something that's needed, necessary for them. I don't know about you, I have a very different philosophy, like, just don't be, like, upset when I get the credit card statement back, right? That's kind of the philosophy at our house. But, right, the philosophy, something requested, something... um, Surprise, something that's necessary. But, you know, they use that word necessary. No matter what they get under that category of something necessary, that kid's going to survive without it. I mean, no gift is really necessary. Right? I mean, if if their snow boots are too small, they're still going to survive. Right? If they've got a couple holes in their socks or dirty underwear, life goes on. Right? But friend, hear this. Christmas declares the absolute necessity of God's love. Look at verse 10 with me. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that He... Loved us. What John's saying in these words is, um, God's saving love in Jesus wasn't given because people loved God. Like tit for tat. God didn't look down and go, oh, there's a bunch of people down there that that are fond of me. I should probably help them out of this really desperate situation they're in. And then God responds to their uh, inclinations for Him, and He saves them. No, friend. God's love was first when we were shaking our fists in rebellion against Him, when we were enemies. God's love was first. God's love precedes any love in us. In fact, we wouldn't ever have loved God apart from Him first loving us. Friend, God's life-giving salvation is all of grace. It's a free gift. You don't earn it. You can't desire it enough. You didn't do anything that prompted God's love or care for you. Listen to the words again. And this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that He loved us. Notice the next phrase there, the closing phrase of verse 10. And sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. That word propitiation might uh, perplex some of us. But it's this. Propitiation is a sacrifice that deals with God's anger or wrath towards sin. So, uh, that word entails at least two concepts. First, it entails God's holiness. His perfection. And our sin. Our sin is an assault on God. On His holiness and His perfection. And so lawlessness, disobedience to God's revealed will, His commands, requires that this just judge deal with sin. And thus, a sacrifice is offered to appease His wrath. I want you to hear this. Our salvation cannot be secured unless we pay the debt owed to God for our sin. Your salvation cannot be secured unless you pay the debt owed to God for your sin. But therein lies the problem. Therein lies the problem. A teacher, an old teacher named Anselm explains, the debt that you owe for your sin was so great that while man alone owed it, you and I, we owe it. Only God. Only God could pay it. So that the same person must be both man and God. Thus it was necessary for God to take manhood into the unity of His person. So that He who in His own nature ought to pay and could not should be in the person who could. So Jesus was sent to be the sufficient sacrifice to pay our debt. He was literally born to die. So that you and I who are worthy of debt could have our debt, our unpayable debt paid. So that we might be counted righteous, innocent. So, if we're going to think about God's love as we're thinking about in these verses, we also need to talk about God's holiness and His anger and His wrath towards our sin. God is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, but He is a just judge. And a good judge doesn't just let criminals go free on the streets. God is love. And God is holy. That's why Christ was born to be a substitute, to stand in our place, to pay the debt because the debt was so great. Our need was too much. He ransomed us by dying on the cross, enduring the, the curse that our sin deserved. And in suffering and dying, He bore God's wrath in our place. The necessity of God's love is seen in our overwhelming need. Friend, God's love is necessary because of your unpayable debt. Christmas demonstrates God's love. Christmas demonstrates the necessity, the purpose, and the certainty of God's love. You might have wandered in here tonight wondering, could God love me? Could God possibly love me? How could I know God's love? And God wants us to walk out of here wondering and questioning no more because Christmas is the divine demonstration of His love for us. So tonight, rejoice in that. Take heart in that. Hope in that. Take comfort in that. Some of you might come in here doubting, am not sure I really need God's love. I mean, do I? I don't really need God's favor and approval. But God wants you to doubt no more. Because Christmas is the divine demonstration that God's love is necessary. Place your trust in Jesus, the One who is lovingly sent to pay the debt that you could never pay. And if you trust in Him, you will have everlasting life. This Christmas, embrace that immense, life-giving, necessary love of God in Christ Jesus. Would you pray with me? Father, we do pray that You would show us all our need for You. Perhaps some for the first time. Perhaps other of us, You're reminding us what we know, but we've grown cold to remind us of the immensity of the gift that we have received in Christ Jesus. Show us the certainty of Your love because He has come. And I pray for those who may doubt, for those who may um, shrug off the thought that they need Your love, that by Your Spirit You would create a new heart in them even now, and they would trust in Your Son Jesus. For the forgiveness of their sins and for life everlasting. And may you fill our hearts with joy. Fill our hearts with joy this Christmas, knowing that we have, uh, our, our King has come. Jesus has been born. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand and continue to sing together. Comfort those who are grieving in our community. Lord, we ask those who are battling health issues, including COVID.